Hi, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 6th of March, 2019 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. Hong Kong is a fantastic city to explore. There's so many things to do here. You can visit Ocean Park, climb a mountain, go for a sea kayak, or just hang out. And best of all, it's a really safe place to be. Kids are often left to roam about on their own, with their parents comfortable knowing that they can navigate the streets with relative ease. Both of our stories today feature teenagers roaming around their worlds and getting into varying degrees of trouble. Before the stories for this week, though, we'd like to extend a heartfelt thank you to our listeners in Frankfurt am Main in Germany, Piscataway, New Jersey in the USA, Dietikon in Switzerland, and Manchester in the UK. Thanks so much for letting our stories into your ears. We're getting ready for our March 27th show, which is going to deviate a little bit from the norm. It will be an experimental show with story fragments and pieces, all under the title Permission to Pause. Tickets will be available soon on our website, hongkongstories.com. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than comedy. It's better than drama. It's real life. Here today we have a special guest to introduce this week's story. Here's Caleb. Now from our September 2018 show with the theme Something Blue, here's Rachel. So at 14, I was a pretty awkward teenager. I was mostly elbows and knees, no hips. I had long straight hair that went down past my bum and acne and an attitude. I wasn't very enthusiastic about many things, and all I really, really wanted to do was hang out with my friends without parental supervision and, you know, listen to music. And, well, by the time I was 14, I have a boyfriend. And this summer, I thought this summer, the summer of my 14th year, I thought this is a summer I'm going to do this because something changed. This is the year that I got my very first Dayglow orange bikini. In it, I looked fabulous. I looked sexy, sophisticated, and at least 16. So a friend of mine, Gina, who lived next door, invited me to go out with their family to a cabin on a lake a little bit north of us, about four hours north. And she told me there's going to be canoeing, and there's going to be camping, and there's going to be campfires, and it's going to be you know, lots of adventure, and and it sounded pretty boring. Um, But it was better than hanging out with my boring family. So I said, sure. So I went and I I started to get packed, and the first thing I packed was my day-glow orange bikini. And then I packed, you know, some shorts and T-shirts for the daytime when it was hot, and some long pants and long shirts for the nights when there's lots and lots of mosquitoes. And I also, because I, even at 14, was a practical person, packed my one-piece old, slightly too small bathing suit. You never know. So there I was. Uh, we got in the car, and we drove for quite a while, and then um, we get to the lake. And, and our, my first view of, of this lake is, is beautiful. It's, it's, it's 
pine forest all the way around. You can just see cabins peeping out here and there. The lake itself is just big enough that you could canoe across it in an hour, maybe two if you're really slow. It's deep, it's fresh, it's cold. It's absolutely gorgeous. Gina and I go and we unpack our stuff in the bedroom we're allocated. I put my swimsuits inside the, the dresser and all my clothes and everything. And then we go out for another look around. And we get out in front of the cabin and we realize that every cabin has its own little dock in front of it. And each of them has, you know, some kind of boat attached, a canoe or a rowboat, or these sorts of things. But when we look next door, next door, they've got a little tiny speedboat and it's awesome. It's blue and white with silver trim and so cool. And as we're looking, it becomes even cooler because out from the cabin come these two tall blonde, identical, teenage boys. And we're just like, suddenly the holiday just got so much better. It's going to be amazing. We immediately kind of like do this shuffle saunter back to the cabin, the real casual like. <laughs> um, and as we're going back, we look behind us, and they've already jumped in the boat, and they're taking off into the water, and they're in the middle of the lake soon, and, and they're doing this they stop for a bit, and we're watching them. We're not quite sure what they're up to, but suddenly one of them is in the boat, and the other one is behind the boat, and he's water skiing, and it's glorious. It's just amazing. It's just like Olympic athlete. There's spray everywhere. It's super noisy. It's really exciting. Wow. So we go in, and we change into our bikinis because we know that boys like bikinis. We're not really sure why or how, but we know the boys like bikinis, so we're wearing our bikinis, and we go out in the dock, and we're sitting on our sun lounges, and we're ready. Like, when they come back, they're going to see us. They're going to walk over. We're going to initiate a conversation, and then we'll probably get married and have children. Because <laughs> um, at 14, you don't have a lot of experience with this sort of thing. So that's fine. They come off the lake, and then we're ready, and they walk right past us without even noticing. And we're pretty bummed, but, you know, food and sleep and things like that. And then the next day, as soon as it gets warm enough out to actually be wearing swimsuits and nothing else, we're out there on our sun loungers. And they walk past us again. And they get in their boat and they're frolicking around. They're having a great time. And we're trying to make plans of how we're going to grab their attention. And lunchtime. And they come back in, because they are teenage boys. Um, they come back in for food and walk right past us one more time. And Okay, well, we're getting kind of desperate now, right? Like, we don't know how to initiate conversation at all. And uh, suddenly, a miracle happens. And these two boys are kind of slouched on over to us. <sighs> yeah. Our dad told us we had to take you out on the boat. <laughs> I mean, it's like a miracle just happened. It was, we're, we're, we'll take anything. We'll take it. We get in that boat as fast as anything. And we're out in the middle of the lake before you can say, yeah. And then they say, so who wants to go first? And I think to myself, well, it's good for a future wife to share the interests of her husband. So I'll go first. And I clip on a life jacket and I jump into the water. And as he's telling me how this whole water skiing thing works because I've never done this before. I'm thinking this is going to be amazing. I am going to be phenomenal. I am going to be like an Olympic athlete on the first time around because I really want it and I deserve it. 
I am going to rise from the water like a damp Aphrodite in a bikini, an orange day-glow bikini, because it was the 90s. And it's, my hair is going to be flying out behind me, and they're just going to be standing in the, sitting in the boat and, and looking back, and, and they'll fall instantly in love, and everything will be fine, and we'll live happily ever after. I can just see it. I'm not really listening to the instructions, but I can just see it. So keep your knees bent, your arms straight. Lean back. I can do that. I'm bobbing around in the water while he gets back in the boat, and the boat starts to go off, and there it is, the jerk and the legs. And for a glorious, glorious moment, I am flying across the water. I am fulfilling every dream I've had for the last 20 minutes. Until suddenly, there's a giant splash, and that's me doing a giant cartwheel forward into the water. And I bob back to the surface of the water, sputtering water out of every orifice. And I think this is, this is not as good as I expected, but it... Still not too bad. And I see the boat turn to come pick me up. And as it turns, I look down and I realize that my bikini bottoms are slowly sinking to the bottom of this very deep, very clear, fresh lake. And the boys come up beside me and Gina, and they say, oh, here, he extends, one of them extends his hand, I have no idea which one, extends his hand to help me into the boat. And I say, you know, I don't, I don't think I really like boats. <laughs> I don't think I really like water skiing. I'm just going to swim back to shore because <laughs> I didn't want to tell them. Um, and so I did. I swam. It took me 40 minutes at least, dog paddling in my life vest <laughs> to get back to shore. And when I got into the shallow part and I could stand up, I unbuckled my life vest and put it around my waist and kind of scuttled as quietly as I could back into the cabin where I dug out from the bottom of the drawer my hideous, old, slightly too small for me, one-piece bathing suit and put it on, laid down on the bed, cried. It has been said before by wiser people than I that the best thing about being a teenager is that you grow out of it. That was certainly true for me, but it might not be for you. Now I started telling stories with Hong Kong stories by going to a workshop one day. I showed up and told a story about how I met my husband. I practiced and took advice given to me by the people running it. And the next thing I knew, I was up on stage telling my story. If you have something from your life you'd like to share, get yourself down to one of our free workshops. You can find details at hongkongstories.com. Our second story today is from Kristen and also features her teen years. From a show in 2017 called 24-7, live at the Fringe Club in Hong Kong, here is Kristen. I am climbing a ladder in the middle of the night at my high school to vandalize a building. I don't know why I agreed to this. I'm with three of my closest friends, more adventurous friends. We're carrying on a tradition maintained over the years by other self-selecting groups of friends at the start of their senior year. 
We are painting our graduation year on the roof of the large equipment shed at our school's football field. The roof is the focal point of the field. It faces the spectator stands and is visible from the street. Painting the roof is part art, part graffiti. It's also a badge of honor for the students who pull it off, an unofficial illegal badge of honor. This night is the culmination of careful planning. As with all premeditated crimes, timing is crucial. If we strike too many days before the start of school, we lose the dramatic effect. If we wait too long, someone else will beat us to it. We've selected the optimal night. We wear dark clothes because that's what criminals on TV wear. And like those criminals, we all play a role. Juliet is the logistics coordinator. We'd hidden our equipment in her family's garage, and her silver hatchback is our getaway car. Judy is the comedian. I am the worrier. Our leader is Tracy. She's an artist, he for painting, and a gymnast key for balancing on a sloped roof. When I have trouble hoisting myself from the ladder onto the roof, she takes my hand and guides me. The school has painted over the previous class year, so Tracy uses the roof shingles as a guide and outlines our graduation year in white paint. We fill in the giant numbers with orange paint. Orange and black are school colors. We had the paint mixed at the hardware store a few days ago to ensure just the right shade. We might be criminals, but we take pride in our work. We work quietly and efficiently without our usual banter. It's a completely different experience up there alone in the dark. The football field is usually so loud and chaotic and bright, but now, I can hear only crickets and the sounds of our shoes scraping against the rough roof. We've been painting for a while when a car drives slowly into the parking lot. I freeze and flatten myself against the roof. Has a neighbor heard us and called the police? Did the silver hatchback in the empty parking lot attract attention? Will getting arrested prevent me from getting into college? I realized that I don't know what happened to the students who did this in past years. I don't know if any of them got caught and got in trouble. I don't know how serious a crime semi-school-sanctioned vandalism actually is. My heart is racing, and my breath is fast and shallow. I am not cut out for criminal life. The car makes a slow sweep of the parking lot and drives away. Rattled by this reminder of the risks we're taking, I paint faster. My arms are getting tired, and my back is becoming sore. By the time we finish, the sun is starting to brighten the sky. It's time for us to go. As I climb slowly down the ladder, I notice a white wedge of wall tucked under the roof on the backside of the shed. 
Maybe it's the lack of sleep. Maybe it's the sense of accomplishment. Maybe it's stupidity. But we don't just tag our work with our initials or street names like normal vandals. No, we paint our names on that wall. <laughs> and then we walk to the middle of the football field to admire our work. I am a criminal, and I am proud. Thanks for listening to this story brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. We'd also like to thank Mel, who curated and directed our September 2018 show. We appreciate all of your work, Mel. The music for this podcast was created and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell. <laughs> <laughs>